dismissed. Thank you so very much. I had something a little special on my heart this morning I wanted to do before I came up to speak. So, Tom, if you and Sky would, please. I think you guys will enjoy this. Yeah, that one might be better. It's got a little bit more male voice on it. Good morning. This is going to be the reading of the birth of Christ as in the New International Version, Matthew. And uh, praise God. Do you all read this at your house from time to time? How, not just the night before Christmas. I mean the, the birth of Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The prophet saying, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, and incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child, his mother, during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now after Herod had died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, go into the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard of Archelaus was reigning in Judah, in the place in the in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled that was said through the prophets, He will be called a Nazarene. always is wonderful to me to hear the story of Jesus. Isn't it to you? I threw that on these guys this morning, but I think we should never, ever, ever forget that story about Jesus. Because, you know, the other night I was watching TV and they were talking to these little kids and they were asking these little kids two questions and they had them sitting there and it was on the news and they had... These kids, and the news reporter would ask these kids who Santa was. And every little kid they asked knew who Santa was. But then they would ask them who Jesus was. And they had no clue who Jesus was. It was like they would go, where was Jesus born? And they would go, and they would look at him. And I think that's tragic that kids know who Santa is, but they don't know who Jesus is. And so we need to change that, guys. And so always, when you can, take the opportunity to read the Christmas story to your kids. Don't just read the story about Santa coming in, but read the Christmas story to your kids. And never forget, even if you have relatives coming, it's a wonderful thing. They will let you read that story on Christmas Eve. They may not ever let you do anything else, but they'll let you read that story to him on Christmas Eve. It's an amazing thing how they'll let you do that when they won't let you do it any other time. Well, are you all excited about Christmas? I am very, very excited about the things of God. And so I was thinking about what we needed to share about this morning. I thought, well, we could keep going about wisdom or we could keep going about something else. But I had something just drop in my heart as I was reading about the things about the Christmas story. And I thought, this is what it is. And it just... It just dropped in me so heavy, I thought, yes, this is it. And Sky read it, and see if it bears witness with your heart. As he was reading that, 
the number one thing that stands out to me is God gave the greatest gift when he gave Jesus. I mean, there is no greater gift in the whole wide world than the gift of Jesus. Why did he give us that gift? He gave us that gift, one of the very main reasons he gave us that gift, yes, because he loved us. It is the greatest gift. It is the love gift. But he gave us that gift because no human person could live under the law. No human person could abide by obeying all the rules of rights and wrongs and rights and wrongs. So he gave us a gift so that we could survive and we could thrive. And so I want you to catch these words this morning. Read with me if you would and put up on the screen. Matthew, I want to read this part again with you. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 in the NIV please. Don't ever tire of hearing about this. But is it a most valuable thing in your life? Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary to, uh, home as your wife because what, she, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will give birth, will, uh, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. God with us. God with you. Do you know that God will never, ever, 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 ever leave you? He will never forsake you. He will never leave you without comfort. He will never leave you hanging. He will never leave you without understanding. He will never leave you without answers. He will never leave you in a situation that you cannot get out of. Turn with me, if you would, to the Amplified. Hebrews 13. And I want to read you just the very end part where it says, you don't even have to turn there. They'll put it up on the screen. Just save your time this morning. You can just put your Bibles down for a minute. It's just a couple of scriptures, so you'll see them. It says, the Amplified 13.5. The very last part says, where it says, I will. You see that up there on the screen? It says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. He is Emmanuel. He is God with you. He will never leave you. Now, you know that there are people 
that have left God. You know, people, you hear stories about people that do things and you hear stories about people that don't believe in God and you hear stories about people in the world that say they're atheists and you hear stories about people that do bad things or you hear stories about people that are serving God. And there, you know, there's people that, okay, they get a job, say, and they go to college for four years and they get that job and then they get in the midst of that job and they realize this is not quite what I thought it would be. And they decide, I don't want this job anymore. I want this job. Well, that's the way it is with people serving God sometimes. They come to church for a while And they get in and they think, you know what? God is just not what I thought he was because things didn't work out just exactly the way that they thought they would work out. And God didn't do just exactly the way that their will thought they wanted it to work out. But you know, it's not our will, but it's his will be done. So they leave God sometimes and they get hurt. And they get mad. And they pull away from God. But do you know what? You can wake up at any moment of the day or night. And you can cry out to God. And how far away is He? He is right there. He never left you. You may have pulled away from Him because of something that's happened in your life. But He has never, ever, ever, ever pulled away from you. He's always been there. It doesn't matter what wrong you have ever done in your life or how bad you've ever messed up or if you've ever stolen or you've ever cheated or you've ever had an affair or you've ever known anybody that's ever done those things. The furthest murderer or axe murderer, serial killer or any person that's ever done anything bad, they pull away from God. But does God ever pull away from them? All they have to do any moment, any second of the day is say what? Oh, God. And where is he? He's right there with them again. Right there with them again. There's a song I want to play for you. And before you get upset about it or before you get um, concerned about it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a song that you're going to find in your Baptist or Catholic hymnal. Okay? And I'm going to tell you before you hear it, there's one word in it that I want you to understand. It says that God took somebody. God never took anybody. The devil is the one in John 10.10 10 that says he, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? So understand that before you hear this. But I think it's going to get a point across to you. I want you to understand it very clearly. How many of you remember the story about them trying to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse? Okay, and how many of you know the story about them trying to take in God we trust off of our dollar bills? You know, how many of you know how many times they've tried to take prayer out of school? Okay, you all know those stories, right? So you'll recognize some of the things about this in this song. So Rob, can you play, try and play that, please? We hadn't tested this out, so I don't know if it'll work. I threw this on Sky and Tom this morning, and I'm throwing this now, so...
can take those words off a of paper and stone, but he ain't gone nowhere. He ain't the who our Father is, and that's who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter how mad you or I have ever gotten at Him. And it doesn't matter how many times something has happened in our life, and instead of getting mad at a person, we get mad at God. Or instead of getting mad at a circumstance, we get mad at God. Do you know what? All we have to do is turn to Him 
and he didn't leave. He is still right there to fix it and put a Band-Aid on it and put his arms around you and tell you how much he loves you. And always be there to take care of you. I had a friend. His little brother, when he was 12 years old, accidentally him and another friend were looking at a rifle or a gun of some kind and shot himself. And this was 30 years ago. He said, if there's a God out there that let this happen to my little brother, I'll never serve him again. So he never has. It's a bad story. But do you know what? I pray for them continuously because I know as bad as they think they hate God, I know God has never left them. That God is right there any time they want to turn and look to him. Anytime they want to say, God, here he is. Now, the reason I'm getting into this this morning is not only just for you. Maybe you have thought God left me and he doesn't care. Maybe circumstances in your life, maybe family members have left you, maybe friends have left you, other people have left you, but God's never going to leave you. He's always going to be there to help you through. He said he would never leave you or forsake you, and he never will. And not only that, but let me read you this other verse. So you say, yeah, he'll, he'll, leave, he'll be there for me, but to help me go down the drain, no. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10:13 says in the NIV, it says, he will provide you a way out. The end of that verse says, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. The New Living says he'll show you a way out. Not only is he there for you, but he's going to show you a way out of that situation. He's going to show you a way to be okay. He's not going to just stand there and watch you go go down the tube. Do you remember the story of Peter when he was walking on the water? You remember that? Everybody remembers that story, right? Well, you know what? Everybody says, well, he corrected Peter when he got back in the boat and says, Peter, where's your faith? Where's your faith? But what's the first thing he did when he saw that? He reached out his hand to him. Why? Because he loved him. He was always there for him. And he reached out his hand and he helped him. And he said, come on, Peter, let's get back in the boat. Then we'll fix this. And that's always the way he is to us. He's always there to reach out his hand and help us get back in the boat and show us the way out. But the reason that we're talking about this morning, this this morning is because Read the verse that we started out in Matthew, verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It says he sent Jesus because he wants, the NIV, because he wants to save people from their sins. How many of you were actually sinners before you got saved? Wow. You were actually a sinner before you got saved? And that's why Jesus came. To save sinners so that they can get saved. And it's even the people that don't believe they want to get saved. And even the people that don't believe Jesus exists or God exists. Do you know what? He still loves them. And that's why he came. And so that's what this season is about, guys. 
It's about those people that you're going to come in contact with that are not living right. It's about those family members and about those friends. And it's about those people that you think should be doing better than what they're doing. It's about those people that maybe should know more about God. And it's about those people that maybe you've been trying to witness to for 50 years and they're still sinners. God gave the greatest gift when he gave Jesus. What if he would have come to you and said, I've been trying to tell you all, look at all, for year after year I've been trying to tell you, obey the commands and love me. Obey the commands and love me. Obey the commands and love me. But you ain't been listening. How many years did he tell him that? Over and over and over and over again. How many years you've been telling your friends and family that? Has it done any good? No. But what did do some good for you when Jesus came and he died for you and God showed his love for you? And he didn't judge you anymore. He just said, here, have this gift. I love you so much. I'm going to send my son for you. And it doesn't matter how bad you messed up. And he just comes and he just wraps his arms around you and he just says, I love you. I know you messed up. It's okay. Come on. Let's go have some cake. Let's go have some turkey. I know you've been drinking. I know you've been doing drugs. I know you've been sleeping around. Come on. Come on and eat with us today. It's okay. I love you. I bought you a nice gift. I know you had not been doing good. I know you've been broke. Here, let me give you $200. Let me, let me put it in your hand. Here, come and have some turkey. It's going to be okay. Because that's what love does. Even when you messed up, there was someone there to say, I love you. It is God with us. It's God that loved us and cared for us and sent somebody to die for us when we were in our sins that cared enough about us to send somebody to this crazy world for you and you and you and me. And you know what? Even after he did that, and we know better in our hearts, every time we do something wrong now that we're saved, we get a check, and it's, and it's red lights and red flags going off saying, don't do that. How many of you still mess up sometimes? So even with that said, and with us having the Holy Spirit living inside of us, telling us not to mess up, we still mess up sometimes. So how much more mercy should we be willing to show to those who don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, who don't have the greater one living inside of them and indwelling in them, that they would mess up and do something wrong? It should be the greatest joy of our lives to be able to go to people and say, you messed up? When? I don't, I don't think I heard about that. Oh, just forget it. Come on. And ignore where they messed up. How many of you like it when people ignore and don't know and don't talk about your mess-ups? Oh, it's great. They just, it's like they never heard about them. Or they forgot about them. And they don't bring them up. It's not like you want to talk about them and fix them. They just ignore them and treat you like they're your brother again. Like when you were kids and talk about the fun things that happened when you were two little boys together. Or you were a brother and a sister and you tell all the funny things that happen. 
Well, maybe they don't deserve it. But think about this. Every time you think that, did you deserve what God did for you? He came to save sinners. And I know I was a chief one. I messed up a lot. And it didn't matter what I had done. He came to fix it for me. God so loved the world that he sent his son. That is what this season is about. And that's what we're about is to show people who Jesus is, who, what he came for, what Jesus died for. Anyone can go back and live in the Old Testament and preach law to their friends and family. But is that what you want preached to you? Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. What if someone comes to you and says, uh, you know what, uh, I saw you and you told a fib on that. And I saw you and you stretched that. And I saw you and you didn't uh, keep this exactly right. And I saw you and you twisted that just a little bit. And I saw you and you didn't give all your ties. And I saw you and you didn't. I mean, anybody could miss it in any area. And it says, you know, if you know to do good and you don't do it, uh uh-oh, to him that's sin. So if you knew you were supposed to give me $5 and you didn't do it, uh uh-oh, that's sin. And if you knew you were supposed to do something and you didn't do it, well, that's sin. Well, you don't want anybody beating you over the back with a whip over legalisms. I mean, I know of people right now. I mean, we've gotten calls from people that says, you know what, I can't go and have Christmas with my family because I know someone in my family is living in sin. Well, we talked about this before. You which are spiritual should do what? Galatians 6.1. Restore such a one. That's our job is to build them up and help them through this. And you know what? You may not see the fruit right away of whatever you're doing, but it's funny how these things happen. You plant a seed. And the Bible talks about somebody planting a seed and somebody else watering. And what does God do then? He makes it grow. And so maybe over this Christmas season, what you can do is you can plant a seed. And maybe it was somebody that you had a real falling out with. And maybe what you should do is plant a seed of inviting them over for the holidays. And saying, you know what? I didn't have much to to buy anybody with, but you can come and eat dinner with us. And maybe you're at real odds with them. But if Jesus can come and give up everything he had for you, everything he had for you, what can you do for someone else? Is it worth it to you? What can you do? Maybe somebody totally mistreated you. Maybe they took everything you had. Or maybe they uh, stole your spouse. Huh? Huh? There's things that that hurt down deep. And what people do is they get mad at God. Well, did God leave them? He never did. And what happens is you've got, a lot of times you've got one person sitting here and this person is on fire for God and this person, they're undecided whether they even want to serve God or not. Well, it's time that people look to God and say, God, I know you love me. I don't know what happened, but I know this much. I'm going to stay on your side. You've never done anything to hurt me. 
you've always been good to me. What people don't realize is they, they're looking at the circumstances with God and they don't realize how bad they would be without God. They don't realize what their life would be if they didn't have God taking care of them. How bad things would be. Because things could be real bad for certain circumstances in people's lives. But we don't want to live that way. We want to live to where we recognize God in every situation in our lives. Look with me. No, I don't want you to have to turn. So, so hang on just a minute. And I'm going to find it for you. Matthew 7.1. I think everybody knows it. says judge not or we will be judged and that's kind of what I want our motto to be over this holiday season judge not lest you be judged as you go into situations with people as you go into situations with your family and your friends all through the shopping all through the driving all through everything that we're going to do We need to take the step of being the bigger person that walks in love. Because if we don't, what happens to us is we come out being judged and we don't know why things are happening to us in our lives. We don't want bad things happening to us, but what happens is we go in and we see somebody doing something bad and we begin to talk to someone else that's around us and we begin to say, or just like the person on the testimony was saying, I started driving and I started apologizing to all the cars around me. Well, if somebody pulls out in front of you, don't call them a name. Or if you're shopping and somebody jumps in front of you in line or if, or if you're doing these things and somebody gets the last one. The other day I was getting some toys for some friends of ours and, and I got, I think it was a, a Lego set and it was uh, the Cars Lego set, you know, and it does this little um, thing and, and it was the last one there and I didn't know it was the last one. I just got it. And I bet I had half the people in the store wanting it out of my buggy and they kept saying, I'll take that, I'll buy that, I'll, I'll pay you extra for it. And, 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 you know, and people are just, you know, they kind of get a little weird during Christmas time. <laughs> Have you noticed that? They, they kind of get a little weird during, during this season. Well, you don't want to judge anybody and I don't want to judge anybody that they're getting weird because I get a little weird too, I think. But, you know, it's like we, we do things differently, you know. And uh, don't, don't just buy somebody something to be buying them something. You know, think about why we even have this. You know, um, I looked around the other night and I was driving around. And, you know, they've got all these beautiful lights right here at Lakewood Ranch. And you walk in here and, and you've got all the palm trees. And I thought about, does anybody even know why they put up Christmas lights? Does anybody even know the reason behind it? That's what I thought. One person over here. Do you remember? Well, you probably don't remember because you don't know. Way, way, way back, I think it was in the 1800s, what they used to do is they used to put a candle in their window if, if Christ was welcome into their home. 
Well, Christmas lights represent, supposedly it went from there and they could electrically light them. Well, now nobody has a clue. Sinners put up Christmas lights everywhere. But what they don't know is they're welcoming Christ into their home. I mean, because that's where it started. So I just go around and I look at Christmas lights everywhere. Rama put up so many. How many of you know anything about Rama? How many of you have ever been able to go out there and see all the Christmas lights that they put up? I mean, the first thing that when I was looking it up a long time ago, I looked at it and they said, because the electric company does not make enough money is why people put up Christmas lights, you know. But that's not it, you know. And Rama puts up so many Christmas lights, I think they broke records. Sky, do y'all know how many Christmas lights? What was the number? Does anybody know what it was? A million? Two million? Two, uh, over two million Christmas lights. If y'all can get online or anywhere and see Broken Arrow, Rama, you know, you should see that. It is a sight to behold. It is something like you've never seen in your life. And it is lights everywhere, everything. I mean, I think if the ducks didn't move, they would light them. <laughs> but it is beautiful. And, and we should bring joy into people's lives during this time. We should bring excitement into people's lives during this time instead of condemnation. When we get around them, we should walk into the room and the joy of the Lord should come up inside of us and no matter what they've done, they should feel, they'll walk in feeling condemned because they're embarrassed by what they're doing. And you should set all that condemnation aside for them and just hug them and be joyous and make it all go away just instantly and make the rest of the time for them just be relaxed and fun and enjoyable. That they don't feel judged from the minute that they see you. Whether they're dressed wrong or whether they've got tattoos all over them or whether they've got earrings. I've got nieces and nephews that have done some of the, I, I'll just be honest with you right now. I, I, I don't tell this to everybody, but most uh, people that know me very well know it. I've got a nephew in jail right now that hasn't been in jail for how long? Quite a while. I love him with my heart, soul, life. And other of you have people that have done things wrong. It's not my job to judge him. It's my job to love him. And I send him money and I contact him and I do everything I can for him. And do you know what he does right now? Because we've continued to love him. He sends us letters and cards regularly and we send him Keith's messages. And what he does is he says, you know what I've become? I am the chaplain now of our prison. And he sends us letters and he apologizes and says, you know what, when you guys taught us the stories of Jesus when we were little kids, we never respected you. We never understood who you were. But I look back now and I need to apologize to you that we never gave you the respect for who you were. I mean, this is from prison. He writes us these letters. Now, it would have been real easy to say, you deserve what you've got and you should be in there. But you know what? He's in there pretty much for life. Yeah, not a two or three year sentence. But I love him with my heart and soul. My, I just dearly, if I could just hold him. He's precious, isn't he? He's a gift of God. And Jesus gave his life for him. 
And he did for your family members too. It does not matter what they did wrong. It does not matter where they are or what they're doing. God loves them. And you know what? No one is beyond repair. My favorite saying of all times is there are no throwaways. There is not one. There's not one person that is worth picking up and throwing into a dumpster. And there's always hope for a person. Until they breathe their last breath, (gasps) there's hope. And you could be their only hope. And your way of doing this is living before them and loving them. Love never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, never, 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 ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever. You can say it with me. Never, ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever fails. It never does. Your sermons will fail. Your little notes will fail. Your little pamphlets will fail. Your Bibles for Christmas presents will fail. All that will fail. But love will never fail. And when you go in and don't judge anybody and you do everything within your power to make them feel comfortable and loved, that's the gift that God gave you in your heart by sending Jesus. He's God with you through this season. He's God in you through this season to be able to do what you need to do. He is not going to leave you, but he's going to give you the exact words to say in order to accomplish what you need to through this season. He will show you how to handle the situation. He will show you exactly what to say and exactly what to do. Maybe they have been a rounder and a scoundrel and a um, huzzy and everything else you can think of. But it's not your job to judge them. It's your job to love them. Because you could be the only light that they ever know. And you're not to preach to them. You're just to love them. Can you say amen? amen? Emmanuel means God with us. And Jesus came for sinners. Which you and I... We're chief. We stunk. And so if your family members stink, love them. And if they smell, and if they've been on the streets, and they smell like liquor, and if they smell like drugs, and if they smell like everything that you can think of, guess what? That's why Jesus came. He came for them. So we shouldn't forget it. Maybe they're your kids. Maybe they're your nephews, maybe they're your nieces, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your best friend. You have a job this Christmas season, and it's called love. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord.